0: Thank you. You may be seated. Let's take God's Word this morning and open to the New Testament book of Romans, if you would. We'll be turning to many passages today, but we'll begin with the book of Romans. And you may remember that we have begun looking, studying together the Word of God with the intention and the desire that we might be established. And one of the great problems in this time of Christian history is that many of God's people... Many of us are just not established in our faith. We're not established on the Word. And we began looking, if you remember in Romans chapter 11, Paul wrote and said, I long to see you that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift to the end ye may be established. Paul wrote to say, I am writing to you that I might see you established. That's really what the book of Romans is all about being rooted, grounded, established in the truth of God's word. If you remember, we looked as well in Hebrews 6, where the author of Hebrews spoke about leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ. Let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation. But we cannot move on if the foundation hasn't been laid. And for many people, many people are trying to go on to perfection but they have not first laid the foundation. We began looking at some of these foundational doctrines, the principles of the doctrine of Christ. And you remember, we began by considering that doctrine of repentance from dead works and the need of repenting from our own self-righteousness and dead works. And then after looking at a series, a few sermons on repentance, uh, we visited, we looked At the doctrine, we began looking at the doctrine of faith toward God. And that's where we've been the last few services, considering this doctrine, faith toward God. And if you remember last week, we considered justification by faith. How is it that a man can be made right with God? Simply by faith. The Bible says in Galatians, For by grace are you saved through faith. Not of yourselves, not of works. There has never been a single human being who has ever been made right with God because of their good deeds. That's one of Satan's age-old deceptions, that you could somehow be good enough to earn favor with God. And it permeates not just other religions, but it also permeates denominations across the board of Christianity. That our works somehow make us right with God. So we talked about being justified by faith. And following on the heels of justification by faith, we arrive today at this great foundational principle, the just shall live by faith. Right on the heels of being justified by faith, now that we have been made right with God by faith, we live by faith. That's what we're going to talk about today. We talked about the one way to be made right with God, to be acquitted from your guilt, to be declared righteous by trusting in the finished work of Jesus by faith. We looked at that and now we recognize this morning, God willing, we'll see this morning that it is also faith that keeps us right with God. It's faith in Jesus Christ that makes us right with God and the same faith in Jesus Christ that keeps us right with God. Now there are some who teach, by faith we enter into salvation, and by good works we keep ourselves in. That's heresy. That's heresy. By faith we enter in, by faith we continue. Four times in the word of God we find the expression, the just shall live by faith. Four separate times. It isn't enough just to believe once. It isn't enough just to say, by faith, 10 years ago, I prayed and asked Jesus to come live inside of my heart, and that was when I believed, but I'm not so sure now. No, the just began believing and continue believing. We live by faith. Living by faith is the evidence that you have been justified by faith. Living by faith doesn't save you, it's the evidence that you've been justified, that you have been saved. And four separate occasions. First one is found in the Old Testament book of Habakkuk, chapter 2 and verse number 4. The just shall live by his faith. And then three times in the New Testament, Paul quotes in Romans chapter 1. We read it a moment ago. The just shall live by faith. Galatians chapter 3, verse 11. The just shall live by faith. And Hebrews chapter 10, verse 38. The just shall live by faith. It's interesting. Romans, Galatians, and Hebrews, all three deal with the fallacy and the heresy of living by works, being justified by works. All three deal with this. Paul deals with it in the Romans. If you remember in Galatians, the church in Galatia, the Judaizers come in and had begun trying, uh, maybe intentionally, unintentionally, they began deceiving the church By saying, look, if you want to be right with God, you've got to keep the law. And the whole book of Galatians was written to say that is wrong. That is entirely wrong. So this morning, we will consider living by faith. Those who are right with God. Think about this for a moment. The just shall live by faith. Those who are right with God will live by faith. This is not a command. It is a understood following. It's an understood truth that if you've been justified by faith, you will live by faith. The just shall live by faith because we recognize that there's no other way to live. We recognize that if we desire to please God with our lives, we must live by faith. You remember what the author of Hebrews says? Without faith, it is impossible to please him. Now, I don't want you to raise your hand, but I want you to think in your mind for just a moment. How many of you want to please God? Think about it. There's only one way that's possible. Living by faith. Now, although this is a very common concept, it's also a very rare reality. We know it. We know the just should live by faith. God's people ought to live lives of faith. Let me ask you a question. Look here for a moment. If we know it to be so clear in scripture, undeniably given in scripture, why do so few of us actually live by faith? Now, before you misunderstand me, living by faith does not mean walking on water, although I believe God could allow us to walk on water if he wanted to. Living by faith does not necessarily mean that we walk into every hospital of Oxford and heal every patient, although I believe God could. He could empower us to do such a work. I do believe that. I don't believe that living by faith is calling down fire from heaven or even calling down rain from heaven, although if God wanted us to, I believe He could. I don't believe that that's what it is, living by faith. The same way that when we read salvation is by grace through faith, that we are justified by faith doesn't mean some grand outward expression. It means a simple confidence in the Word of God. And if that's the same kind of faith that brought us to Jesus Christ, a confidence that what He says is true and I believe it, then that is the same way we ought to live. Reading the Word and promises of God, submitting ourselves beneath them, humbling ourselves beneath the Word, and living by faith in what He says. Let me start with something this morning. Let me start with some hindrances to living by faith. Let me start this morning by talking about some things that will keep us from living by faith. There are a number. And some of them might even be present in your life right now. That's why I want to talk about it. They might be present in my life. Let's begin with the first. Let's go to Habakkuk. Now, that's a hard book to find in the Old Testament. I've marked mine ahead of time, so it won't be so hard for me. But you'll find it right after the book of Nahum. Nahum, Habakkuk, and then Zephaniah. That may not help you at all. But it is there towards the end of the Old Testament. And uh, they're found there amongst what we refer to as the minor prophets. Uh, no, No prophet was minor. But the idea is their books are smaller. And maybe they had less of a role, uh, like Isaiah and Jeremiah, these major prophets. But Habakkuk is a small little book, three chapters long. We'll look together at chapter 2. Habakkuk is writing to, to the Israelites who are under the judgment of God. And they are, the impending judgment of the Chaldeans is upon them. And so Habakkuk is writing, and uh, he actually writes at the end of chapter 1 and says, God, I know your people have done wrong, but... Is it right that these heathen who are more wicked than your people would, would be allowed to persecute your people? And God responds. Look at chapter 2, the first four verses. Uh, Habakkuk the prophet says, I will stand upon my watch and set me upon the tower and will watch to see what he will say unto me and what I shall answer when I am reproved. Every minister of God's word We would do ourselves a good favor by standing upon our watch, by setting ourselves upon a tower to see more clearly what is happening. We would do ourselves a good favor to stand our watch and to wait to see what God will answer to us when we are reproved. When people argue against us, our answer ought to come from Him. Our answer ought to come from God. And so Habakkuk, this prophet knowing that in prophesying the word of God, there will be some people that don't like it. By the way, if a preacher can preach week in and week out and nobody, nobody ever says anything bad about it, there's something wrong. If there never be any contradiction to the the word that a preacher says, there's something quite right. If a preacher can faithfully, if he's faithfully preaching the word and there's never any opposition, there's something wrong. Because every prophet of old, every preacher in the New Testament, every, every saint who has proclaimed the word throughout the ages, if they've been faithful to the word of God, they have had some measure of opposition. And that's what happened with Habakkuk. And in verse number two, the Lord answers. By the way, if we wait, he will answer. If we wait on him, he will answer. God has spoken to me very clearly several times over the last couple of weeks. And one of those, uh, I was seeking the Lord and about particular things and specific things and, and waiting for a specific answer. And the Lord said to me at the end of Psalm 27, wait on the Lord. Now, I didn't get a message from the sky. God didn't speak audibly in my ear. But while searching the scriptures, God said, wait on the Lord. Be of good courage and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. And... If you wait on him, he will answer. Habakkuk waited, and the Lord answered and said, Write the vision, make it plain upon tables, that he may run that readeth it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time. It was was imperative that Habakkuk had it written down, because what was being revealed to him was not yet to come for a long time. Write it down so it wouldn't be forgotten, so it couldn't be changed, so that it could be remembered. It's written down, write it upon tables, make it plain. By the way, every preacher ought to make the word of God plain. If we complicate it with big words and fancy words, we have done a disservice and sinned against the people of God. Make it plain. There are some men who get up and it's their, it's their great pleasure to speak so high and lofty that nobody understands what they're saying. What's the point? What's the point if in speaking and preaching, nobody has a clue what you're on about? Make it plain, it says, upon tables, that he may run that readeth it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it shall speak and not lie. Though it tarry, wait for it, because it will surely come, it will not tarry. Now, I love this. With all the promises of God, there comes a command to wait. With every promise of God, there comes a command to be patient. With all the prophecies of God, there's the command to wait and be patient. It will come to pass. This is the context. God's people are under persecution, under judgment, pardon me. They're under judgment of God. And the prophet speaks to God, speaks to God's people, speaks to God's people on behalf of God, speaks to God on behalf of the people. And God says there's coming deliverance, but you need to wait for it. There's coming salvation, but you need to wait for it. It will surely come. It will not tarry. Verse 4. Behold, his soul, which is lifted up, is not upright in him. But the just shall live by his faith. There's the first mention. The just shall live by faith. And it is in context to the coming Savior, to coming salvation to a future promise that has not been seen and cannot be seen but must be trusted that it will come a tearing a patient waiting by faith in what God has said. But there's a hindrance. Some people won't wait. Faith requires patience doesn't it? Faith requires a measure of waiting because we haven't yet received Look, if you have by faith trusted in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you have been born again. And you may look at yourself and say, I don't look any different. And sometimes I still act like the old fellow that I used to be. And we don't quite see all the change that we want to see. We're still waiting for the redemption of our bodies. We're still waiting for God to finish the work that he has begun. But by faith, we live and we wait. That's what this is about. But there is an enemy to living by faith, and that enemy is found at the beginning of verse 4. His soul, which is lifted up, is not upright in him. The soul that is lifted up cannot live by faith. The soul that is proud, pride, is enemy number one to faith. Did you know that pride is enemy number one? It's the same enemy that keeps us from getting right with God. It's the same enemy that says, you know what? I'm not so bad. I don't need Christianity. I don't need Jesus. It's the same enemy that lodges in your thinking, lodges in your heart, and keeps you from falling on your knees and saying, God, there's nothing good in me. I need Jesus. Pride keeps a man from doing that. And maybe this morning, look here for a moment. You might be here this morning. You might think to yourself, I'm not that bad. I'm really not that bad of a person. Pride has lifted you up. And if you're not careful, that pride will keep you from the eternal salvation of your soul. But the same enemy that keeps people from coming to Christ by faith is the same enemy that also keeps people from living by faith. Pride. That self-exaltation. That haughtiness. The lifting up of ourselves that makes a man think he's right. That makes a man justify himself, that makes a man totally unwilling to say, I'm wrong, I admit. Oh, how hard it is for the old man to die sometimes, isn't it? Self justification, which leads to self exaltation. Living by the power of self, living in your own strength. Living in your own wisdom with no thought of God. Or maybe you even think about God, but you think God is pleased with you because of how good and how upright you are. But the Bible says he that is lifted up is not upright at all. If you think yourself better than somebody else, you are not upright at all. If you think yourself to be highly exalted, you've taken the place of Jesus and you are in the stead. You are standing against Christ, making yourself an anti-Christ. Pride does that. What was it that caused Lucifer to fall from heaven? Pride. I will be exalted. I will ascend into the heights. I will be like the Most High God. Pride is enemy number one to living by faith. You can't live by faith in God if you think you've got enough inside of you to live live in your own strength. Look at Romans chapter 1. That's the second time that this phrase, the just shall live by faith, is mentioned Romans chapter 1, in the context, Paul is writing, and he says in verse 16, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. I love this verse. To the Jew first, and also to the Greek. This morning you may be thinking, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if I can be saved. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. If you believe, you can be saved. For therein is the righteousness. Therein, the gospel is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth and unrighteousness. They suppress the truth. Because that which may be known of God Is manifest in them, for God hath showed it unto them, for the invisible things of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead so that they are without excuse. Let me tell you the second enemy to living by faith, that is the enemy of unbelief. Unbelief. That's what we find here. God reveals to us truth from his word, and yet we suppress it. God reveals to us in our own heart and mind by the word that he's given unto us and even by creation around us and we suppress it even for the believer. God can speak to your heart and you can know that you are wrong and you can seek to justify yourself and through unbelief of the word he's spoken unto you, you could fall into the temptation, and the danger of living not by faith, but by living again by self and unbelief. Is this you today? Unbelief in what he says in his word. Unbelief in what he says to your heart. Not trusting, not believing. Unbelief. Unbelief kept the Israelites from entering into the promised land. Do you remember that? They couldn't enter in because of unbelief. Hebrews 4, 3 and 4 tells us, and there is a great many Christian today who can't enter into the victorious Christian life because of unbelief. And they never learned what it is to live by faith. Because they are unbelieving that it's possible to live such a life. Is that you? Now listen to this next one. The next time we find the phrase, the just shall live by faith, it's Galatians chapter 3. Galatians 3, verse number 9. So then they which be of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. For as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that continueth not in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. But that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God, it is evident. For the just shall live by faith. And the law is not of faith. But the man that doeth them shall live in them. Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. Here's your third enemy. The third enemy to living by faith is the law. That may shock you. Hear me. The third enemy that keeps people from living by faith is when people start trying to live by the law. When people think that Christianity is a list of do's and don'ts. When people reduce Christianity to, well, I've got to do this and I can't do this and and we, we reduce it instead of having a relationship with the living God. Remember what Jesus said? This is life eternal. That they might keep the law. No, no, no. That they might know thee. The only true God. And Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. This is Christianity. Knowing God. Knowing Jesus. Walking with him by faith. Not this list of laws in fact when you begin to try to live that way you begin to put yourself under a curse because you can't do it you cannot do it some people say well by faith we are saved and then we're able to keep the law then we're No, no 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 never on this side of eternity will you ever be able to keep the law That's not what salvation is about. The law was not given for you to keep it so you could be happy. God would be happy with you. The law was given to show you that you are sinful and rotten to the core. Now, that does not mean you live a wicked, sinful life. It doesn't mean that at all. In fact, the scriptures say, should we continue in sin then? And the same passage in Romans, what then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Remember the next two words? God forbid. No. This doesn't mean you can sin. That's what some people, I've heard people say. Oh, you can't tell people that they don't have to live by the law because then they'll live like devils. Well, if they live like devils and they never were born again. Because the just shall live by faith. And so, this third enemy of living by faith is legalism. Yeah. You thinking that your good behavior and I do this and I do that and I don't, I don't do this and he does. That's a that's a killer to living by faith. Because what you're saying is, I am living by the law. I'm a good man. I'm a good woman. That's not faith. That's not living by faith. It's a total misunderstanding of Christianity. Look at Galatians chapter 3. We didn't read them, but look at the first couple of verses of chapter 3. Oh, foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you? Now look here. If you think... That living by the law is what God expects. You've been bewitched. That's what it says. You've been bewitched. That you should. Who hath bewitched you that you should not obey the truth. Before whose eyes Jesus Christ hath evidently been set forth. Crucified among you. This only would I learn of you. Listen. I want to I know this one thing Paul says. Received ye the spirit by the works of the law. Or by the hearing of faith. How did you get the spirit of God? How were you born again? Was it by the works of the law because you did something to earn it? Or was it by faith? Are ye so foolish, having begun in the spirit, are you now made perfect by the flesh? Have ye suffered so many things in vain, if if it be yet in vain? He therefore that ministereth to you the spirit and worketh miracles among you, doeth he it by the works of the law? Or by the hearing of faith, faith. Look, we didn't start by faith and then finish by works by the power of our own flesh. We start by faith, continue by faith, and finish by faith. All faith, all along the way. And if we miss this, we are going to be living a miserable life. Let me tell you why. If you get this wrong, you're going to be so living in such despair. Because you're trying to keep the law that you can't keep. And every time you fail, you'll be so discouraged and depressed. Because instead of living by faith, you're living by the flesh. In fact, Paul said in Romans, uh, he said, I do not, no, pardon me, Galatians 2, I do not frustrate the grace of God. He says in verse 20 of chapter 2 of Galatians, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. There's your key. Jesus Christ lives in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not frustrate the grace of God. Look here. If you're trying to live by the law, you're frustrating the grace of God. You can either live by faith or by frustration. Let's look at Hebrews 10. One more enemy. One more enemy of living by faith. Hebrews 10 Verse 35, cast not away therefore your confidence, which has great recompense of reward. For ye have need of patience, that after ye have done the will of God, ye might receive the promise. For yet a little while, and he that shall come will come, and will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith. But if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. Here's your fourth enemy, impatience. The fourth enemy of living by faith is impatience. I've been I've been trying to follow God my whole life, and Jesus still hasn't come, and I, I'm still being persecuted. and And everywhere I look, nobody likes me, and my family's turned their back on me. and And I, look, I'm, I'm 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 getting instead of getting richer, I'm getting poorer. And instead of getting healthier, I'm getting sicker. And all these problems have come. I thought by becoming a Christian, everything was going to get better. It will. When you breathe your final breath and meet Jesus face to face, that's when it'll get better. When Jesus splits the eastern sky and returns again, then it will get better. And by faith, we look to that day, to that Savior. But if you get impatient, so I didn't sign up for this. Hold on a moment. I didn't think it was supposed to be like this. Impatience kills living by faith. Destroys it. We live in a microwave society. Everything's fast. Give it to me right now. Fast, fast, fast. If I don't get my food within six minutes of McDonald's, I write a complaint and I get five meals for free. We, want we live it impatiently, don't we? We want a microwave more powerful that can heat the food up quicker. We want a faster car. We want everything to be quick, 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 quick. But not is not the case with our faith. We've got to be patient. So many people giving up, quitting too soon. Giving up. I want to be healed now. I want to be better now. I want to be more righteous, more holy now. That's good. I do too. But this walk is a walk of faith and it takes time. We are being conformed into the image of Christ one day at a time. I wish that he turned me the second I got saved. I wish he turned me exactly like Jesus Christ. But he couldn't do that unless he took me out of the world. takes time. Now, in closing, quickly, what does it mean to live by faith? Well, what did it mean to be justified by faith? Do you remember? Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, the one who began our faith, and he that hath begun a good work in us, will perform it, he will finish it, unto the day of redemption. So if it began, if we realize faith was what we needed, that we knew we needed to be saved, knowing that we couldn't save ourselves, realizing that Jesus died for us, for the ungodly, for the lost, and we look to the one who died for us, and hearing his command to repent of our sins and come to him, we came. If that's how we were saved by faith, by looking to the Lamb of God, then it must be that we live by faith the same way. The same way. Spurgeon, you may know, was converted hearing that passage in the Old Testament by the Old Testament prophet. Look. Look unto me and be ye saved. He stumbled into an old Methodist church in Cambridge, and um, and the minister couldn't get there because of the snowstorm, so an old deacon stood up and didn't really know what to say, but he stood up and he said, Look, 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 look. And he looked at Spurgeon. There was only a handful of people. And he said, Look unto me and be ye saved. And Spurgeon said, he was talking to me. And he was smitten by the Spirit of God. That day he began looking to Jesus Christ, and he said, Some people say, What now? After I've looked to Jesus for salvation, what now? Keep looking. Keep looking. Keep your eyes on Jesus Christ. If we're saved by believing on the one who died for us, by believing on the one who died for our sins, by faith trusting in his grace, by faith trusting in the word of his promise, surely we must continue by looking, looking, looking by faith. To live by faith is to keep looking. That's it. Keep looking to Jesus. Don't ever get to the point when you think you're so good that you no longer have to look to him. It's like a little child that holds tightly to the father's hand because that little child knows that he is safe as long as he holds on to the hand of his father. The second a child starts thinking, I'm big enough, I can handle this myself, is the time that that little child starts stumbling and falling. Keep looking. Philippians chapter 3. Let me give you a couple of verses that encourage us to keep looking. Philippians chapter 3 and verse number 20 the apostle paul writing to incur by the way philippians is the book of joy written from a prison cell think about that philippians 3 and verse number 20 for our conversation is in heaven now let me ask you where's your conversation our conversation is in heaven from whence also we look for the savior the lord jesus how do i live by faith keep looking for christ Looking for him in your life and looking for his return, expecting his return. That's talking about his, his soon coming. In 2 Timothy 4, verse number 8. Paul writes to Timothy, a young preacher, a young preacher in the faith, and he says in 2 Timothy verse number 4, chapter 4, verse 8, henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me up that day, and not to me only but unto all them also that love His appearing, that are looking for His return. And the next book, Titus 2, verse number 13, looking for that blessed hope, the glorious appearing of our great God and of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And Jude, that last little book before you get to Revelation, and verse number 21 says this, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. Keep looking. Keep looking. Paul said in Romans, that's the passage Tommy read a moment ago, that the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. I love this. What's that mean? Well, it was by faith that we were justified, and by faith we are to live. Faith justifies us. By faith we're justified. By faith we are maintained. By faith we keep, we're kept by God. By faith we're sanctified. It's continuing faith, increasing faith, persevering faith. More and more and more. Pressing forward, not backwards. That's what it is to live by faith. Are you living by faith? We let our intellect get in the way, don't we? We let our intellect get in the way and try to sit down and work things out and, and I'll move forward if I can see it, if I can hear it plainly. Or we become so intellectual and theological that we study the book like it is just some research material rather than the life-giving book from God. Instead of reading it, believing it and by faith, acting upon it. Do you remember what James said? Faith without works is... Don't misunderstand. That's not keeping the law. That's hearing the word of God and following him. That's hearing the spirit of God, sensing his leading and his guiding according to his word and following him. Don't tell me you believe and, and live the same way you've always lived. Don't tell me you have great faith and you live like your neighbors live and like everybody else live. What makes it different? What does your life show that's any different from the unconverted living next to you? Well, I go to church on Sunday. That's not living by faith. The Muslim goes to his holy place on a Friday. So if we would conclude that by going to church on Sunday you are living by faith, then we must conclude they also are living by faith. It's far more than just going to a place of worship. Living. Every breath. Every thought. Every heartbeat. Living. Looking unto Jesus. Looking to his word. Persevering. I love what he... In Galatians, Abraham's our example. Abraham heard the promise of God, said, okay, God, I'm going. Abraham heard the word, Let, pack up your bags and go. Where? I'll tell you. Okay, here he goes. That's living by faith. And then God promised him, I'm going to bless you. And Abraham said, okay, I don't see it, but I believe you. In fact, he never saw it. Abraham never saw the fulfillment of God's promises, but he believed it. That's living by faith. And that's what we find In Hebrews, in closing, Hebrews 10, there's a couple of things that'll help you to live by faith. Look what he says in verse 35. Cast not away, therefore, your confidence. Now look here for one second. Where is your confidence this morning? Is it in yourself? If so, you're going to be disappointed. Is it in your church? If so, you'll be disappointed. Where's your confidence? Is it in your government? You'll really be disappointed. Where's your confidence? Your confidence ought to be in the God whose word is true. In the God who cannot lie. And if he said it, I believe it. Because I've seen it. I've seen it in measure in my own life. I've seen it throughout the pages of history. I've seen it in my own life, in my own family, in my own church. Look around you today. God is true to his word. So don't cast away your confidence just because you don't see it when you want to see it. Abraham didn't see the promises God gave him, but he didn't throw away his confidence. There's something else. For ye have need of patience. Literally, endurance. Are you an enduring believer? Or do you throw in the towel the first time something happens you don't like? First time you hit a bump in a road, you just abandon the car. You would have, have given up a long time ago on this road coming down to the field, wouldn't you? Look, there are bumps all along the way. If you give up the first time there's a bump, you've proven you've got no patience, you've got no endurance. One of the key characteristics of a child of God is perseverance. Keep going, don't quit. And that can only be done by faith because your feelings say this, I'm sick of this, I'm tired of this, I'm out of here. That's living by feelings, not by faith. Faith says, give me every bump Chuck me in the pothole. I don't care because he told me he's going to get me through it. That's living by faith. I don't care if everybody forsakes me and leaves. The apostle Paul, when he was dying, said, no man stands with me. Can you imagine? doesn't really matter who in this life is with you. If God be for me, if God be with me, who can be against me? We must believe the promises of his word. We must have confidence in his word. And we must have patience that what he has said will happen. Especially, especially verse 37. For yet a little while and he that shall come will come. Jesus Christ is coming. And when he comes, I don't want him to find me disgruntled, embittered, all alone somewhere because I didn't have enough patience to wait on him. Keep pressing on. He that shall come will come. He will not tarry. The just shall live by faith. If any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. But we are not of them who draw back unto perdition. But of them that believe to the saving of the soul. The just shall live by faith. Are you living by faith? Are you living by faith? Still looking to Christ. Still looking to his word. Reading in his word all of these things. He told us these things were going to happen. He told us. But the more you read his word, the more faith you have. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing the word of God. Look, I read this book and I find in this things, words that are written that deal exactly with where I am today. That comforts me. Because he's given me his word. Let us live by faith. For we walk by faith. Not by sight. The majority of those who call themselves Christians today are those who walk by sight. If it feels good, they carry on. If it looks good, they carry on. They measure things with their eyes, their natural eyes, with their natural intellect. But the scripture said, not by the wisdom of man. What we need more than anything is those who are constantly looking to the Savior, looking to at His Word, spiritual wisdom, spiritual discernment that we may be able to sift through nonsense and see that which is true because of His Word. Judge not the Lord by feeble sense. That's what the old hymn writer said. But trust Him for His grace. Are you judging things by feeble sense or by faith? Let's pray together. Father, We confess that too many days we live by flesh, not by faith. Too many days we judge with feeble sense, with human intellect, with the wisdom of this world. We discern by feelings rather than by the spirit of the living God that dwells within us. And by thy word, which changes not. Help us, we pray. We are weak, but thou art strong. We rejoice, Lord, to know that there are promises that will sustain us if we simply lay hold of them and believe. Grant us confidence. Grant us patience, endurance, and help us to live by faith. Bless now, we pray, these words to our hearts. We ask it in Christ Jesus' name. Amen.